Hello and welcome to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Tegal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Gene Chulfi, President and CEO at Medfarm. Gene has spent over 30 years in the CMO space, working for several renowned companies in senior roles along the way. It's fair to say Gene has probably seen more than most in the drug development space. Hey, Gene, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Ram. Thank you. Great. Yeah, great having you on too. So thanks for thanks for making the time. And, and just to start off with, I'm sure many people uh, listening who've been in the sector for a while may know who you are or probably do know who you are. For those that, that don't know who you are, do you mind talking a little bit about you and, and obviously what you do at Medfarm? Uh, sure. You know, I, I, I grew up in uh, Massachusetts and uh, attended school in Massachusetts as well. Got an engineering degree um, when I got out of college. Had the opportunity to join Bausch & Lomb Pharmaceuticals. That really got me into the manufacturing part of the pharmaceutical industry. I had the opportunity to go to a variety of different plants at Bausch & Lomb and really see the whole process in which you technically transfer a product from R&D to commercial manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I transferred to a facility in Tampa that Bausch & Lomb had, and part of that transfer was to start running a contract manufacturing group that they had there. And that was really my introduction to the whole CDMO world. I had the opportunity later on to get introduced to DPT Laboratories, uh, really one of the largest CDMOs in the industry uh, in the in the early part of 2000. So I watched that company grow and was a part of making it grow. Ultimately, uh, went to San Antonio for a year, came to New Jersey to run their sterile and specialty products facility, which grew to a, a significant and large um, sterile and specialty products group. When Mylan acquired DPT in 2016, uh, they acquired the semi-solid non-sterile business in San Antonio. It was kind of a, a, a time, it was a, a good break for me to, to leave the organization. And then shortly thereafter, I was given the opportunity to uh, run a company called Medfarm Limited, which I currently am at now. Medfarm is the leading, one of the leading uh, development companies in the topical industry from an R&D standpoint. And we are continuing to grow our services more and more towards not only just developing drug products, but now starting to begin the manufacturing of these products as well. Great. Well, I mean, it's 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 so interesting here in the kind of history that you've had in the sector. And, and I have to ask, you know, you've spent the best part of three decades in this space. And what what big changes have you seen in that time? I'm sure you've seen many changes, but I'm really curious to know kind of what things are still the same, <laughs> if any, as they were you know, 30 years ago, and what things are very different now to, to that, you know, than they were then. Yeah, the, uh, the biggest change that I think has occurred in the whole outsourcing industry is actually the development segment of the industry. Uh, there was always toll manufacturing or contract manufacturing where organizations would bring their products that were already developed, already being manufactured to a company just to manufacture them. I think the biggest change in the whole industry has been the development section of it where contract companies can now do the development of these products, both from a formulation as well as an analytical standpoint, and then go through the entire scale-up FDA submission process to get you to manufacturing. To me, that's really the value-added proposition that's been put forth in the CDMO industry, 
right? It used to be a CMO industry. Now it's referred to as a CDMO and that D development mm -hmm. is really the biggest part that I think has changed uh, the industry. Obviously the manufacturing is the same. Companies have plants. Um, I think the advancement of the expertise or the mm -hmm. knowledge of a lot of the contract development companies as well ha has stepped up. A lot of it's been driven by, you know, the larger companies and the industry to force these companies to have a greater level of quality, carry more resources, right? That force you to be, have a higher level of compliance in the industry, whether it's with the FDA or internally, uh, to satisfy the need of the industry for making products that you know are quality products. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. And just again, I'm interested to know, you know, would, have you seen it almost in transition from almost commodity manufacturing maybe back in the 90s to, or dare I say, almost most consulting now, scientific consulting? Is that the biggest shift? Or even back in the 90s, was it never seen as, you know, an outsourced commodity or anything to use a contract manufacturer? Um, or is that is that a fair reflection of the change? It's a fair reflection. You know, you still have a lot of companies that provide that commodity service where um, they're, they're going to run a commodity type product that's really about volume and just producing it. At MedFarm, we view ourselves as a value added service provider. And by value, we carry a level of resources that most organizations don't. You know, there's a cost to doing that, but we carry a level of scientific expertise, infrastructure, ex you know, infrastructure. IT expertise, uh, even our sales team across the board, you know, we, we, we follow a top grading philosophy where not that we're going to bring in the most expensive talent, we're going to bring in an A player at every level through the organization so that the service we're providing is, is, is top notch, but we are providing a value service where customers mm -hmm. value what we do because we do the hard stuff. You know, we can certainly yeah. do the easy stuff. But we pride ourselves in being able to do the hard stuff. I love, I love that, and and I have to ask you, you know, why? Well, oh, sorry, I was going to ask why Medfarm, but was that one of the reasons that you decided to join the company? Because presumably, when you, you know, back in in 2016, 2017, you know, someone of your experience presumably had yeah, many options on the table. So, what was it about Medfarm that kind of, uh, you know, floated your boat and made you want to take on that role? That's a great question. When I first got interested in MedFarm, I, I vaguely knew who they were. I knew what they did, and they were, you know, they had a great reputation for being a highly scientific business. And again, providing, you know, working on the hard stuff. But the more I got down the road in the interview process, it was really twofold. It's 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 an equity-owned company, PE-owned company, with the existing founders having a major having a, a strong minority position in the company. But as I got to meet both sides of the business, you know, you had two partners who wanted to grow the business, but really wanted to leverage the strength of MedFarm. And as I got to meet more of the employees, my core values lined up with MedFarm's core values. Uh, to me, it was really a hidden gem that probably wasn't uh, marketed as strong as you maybe want to. So the word out in the industry probably wasn't as prevalent as you'd want it. So we've really taken it to the next step to really educate the industry who MedFarm is, the services we provide, and you know, again, that value service, right? I, I don't think there's yeah. a lot of people that provide that value service. The hard, yeah. we can do the hard to do stuff and we can do it really well. I love that. It's a, it's a real differentiator in the market, I think, these days. And, and particularly at MedFarm, and I know you guys have, 
specific kind of expertise in, in the topical and transdermal kind of product design development area. Is that something you're able to talk about a little bit more detail for kind of, or just maybe educate some of the listeners that don't know that space particularly well? It is, you know, being one of the world leading contract providers in the topical and transdermal product design, you know, we spread our services across multiple routes of delivery, you know, whether it's dermatological, nail, eye, airway, mucosal membrane, transdermal products, you know, it's really partly educating the industry too as to the level of services we can provide. You know, MedFarm's very very well known in in the Durham area, Um, Mm -hmm. but our our level of service and expertise spans across all of the business segments I just mentioned. And we're really promoting what we can do. And we're actually seeing a a lot of our business now is shifting. Uh, We still of course, we're going to stay true to our core and who we are, Durham topical business, but we're getting more and more business in the in the eye, the airway, the mucosal membrane, um, just because people are realizing, oh, you can do that. Well, yes, we can, mm-hmm. and we can do that very well. So it's, it's a it's a big part of our growth uh, is is the non-Durham activity, but also we're really trying to educate the market that this is what we can do. That's great. It's great, and I have to ask. Obviously, it's close to my heart. Uh, you know, being from the UK and, and living in the US and having a business in bo- both territories. And, and my understanding, obviously, of MedFarm is obviously you've got facilities in the UK and the US. And just just curious to know how your experience has been working, uh, you know, across across the pond, so to speak. You know, it's I, I've enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, now in this environment we're in, travel's a little limited. So we're relying on our information technology team to support us from a communication standpoint. But having the ability to offer a client uh, not only a, a fallback position, whether you can do things in the UK or in the US, um, but being a global company, right? Telling we can we can offer services globally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I'm not really aware of many companies that can do that in our segment, but that's something MedFarm can. The company was founded in the UK. Um, the, the, you know, we, we offer duplicate services now, both in the United States as well as the UK, so we can leverage knowledge globally that exists yeah. from the years in the UK, as well as what we're growing and doing in the United States. I love that. And, and hopefully you're realizing that British people are, are obviously the best. So. <laughs> you know, it's I've been adopted, so my, my heritage is Italian, but I think uh, you know I'm starting to learn a lot of the language of the Brits and uh, certainly cheers has become a very common term for me now. <laughs> I know I've just spent the last 18 months uh, learning terms in the US, so I feel your pain going going <laughs> in the other direction. So, And you, you mentioned at the start, um, you were there when, when DPT kind of, my understanding, went through an you know, incredible journey of, of growth before they were acquired. What, what was it like being there at that time? And also, are there any learnings from that time that you... Uh, you know, are bringing into what you're doing now within MedFarm? Yeah, starting at DPT. When I started at DPT, they, they, there was just the facility in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, when I joined, there was always um, a vision to expand and grow because this the site in San Antonio was, was getting close to bumping up against some capacity constraints. And there was a need kind of to service our East Coast, when I, was, when I say our, when I was at DPT, the East Coast clients. So that's where the acquisition of the facility in Lakewood, New Jersey came from. It, it was just a tremendous learning experience going through that. And it, really the learning came from the mistakes you made. You know, of, there were, of course, numerous things we did really well, 
But you really learn when you make mistakes, then how do you deal with it and how do you go forward? Um, to me, that was some of the just the most um, meaningful pieces was to run against problems. You know, sometimes you made good decisions, sometimes you made wrong decisions. But what you learned from that is really, I think, what set me up to be to be successful as I took over the site in Lakewood and really it was driving me at MedFarm, um, just having that experience to say, yes, all these things were done correctly, but understanding the pitfalls of certain decisions and maybe learning from that so you don't repeat the mistake, uh, but you it gives you greater confidence in what you're doing and, and the pace you want to do it at. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And I'm a, I'm a, I mean, actually, the most successful blogs I've ever written have always been around the mistakes <laughs> that I've made, and I think people find them fascinating. And are you able to elaborate any more on some of the mistakes that you've actually made along the way, and what you've learned from them, and how that makes you maybe operate differently as a leader these days? Things that you thought, you know, you knew twenty years ago that are very different today. Yeah, you know, I think the the biggest thing I've learned is, you know, how to how to build a successful team. You know, what type of things do you want to look for in individuals? How do you complement members of your team? And also being a leader. You know, being a leader isn't easy, right? Because trying to motivate individuals who all have different buttons which motivate them, right? Everybody has a different means in which they want to be motivated. Some are motivated financially. Some are motivated on challenge. Some are motivated on uh, professional advancement. But figuring out how to blend those together um, was probably the, the, the best thing I learned. And, you know, I, I, I had a great mentor and a, a gentleman, his name is Paul Johnson, who really um, took the time to help guide me as well. So I, I think understanding how to put together a solid structure of a team, because at the end of the day, everybody has a plant, everybody, you know, not everybody, but people have a plant, people have manufacturing equipment, people have testing equipment. So what differentiates you from the others? It comes down to the people, the success of the people, and the leader who's going to drive that strategic operation forward, partnering with their team, but also having the the ability and the courage to make decisions um, that are sometimes hard to make. You know, it, it's easy to make simple decisions. I think any leader will say, yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a layup. That was an easy decision. But being confident enough to make the tough decisions and also knowing when at some point the path you chose may not be correct in altering that Mm -hmm. um, to to get on a more correct path. Those are the kind of things I've learned to do and not be ashamed that you're going to have to say, well, this wasn't right. Let's go this way. Yeah, I think that's that's so true. That's actually great advice. And uh, interesting enough, I'm reading a book at the minute and this morning, one of the, the sections around leadership was recognizing when to stand away from the situation and take a break and actually you know, not be sat at your computer, you know, actually move away from the situation and think about the situation and actually you'll see a completely different perspective when you move away from it. And often it is it, the example it used was exactly what you said there, Gene, was around sometimes you recognize that you made the wrong decision, but you have, you know, but actually acknowledging that and changing direction is hard to do, but it's what great leaders actually do when, you know, and times are tough. So I think that's a really great piece of advice. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector, the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. And obviously leadership, we've talked about a little bit in, in mentorship and 
you know, objectively looking at your career, it's been incredibly successful. I would certainly say looking at the the longevity and the positions that you've held. And what, what else would you attribute that success to? And particularly for younger people that are in the industry and just kind of maybe five, 10 years into the, into the, uh, their roles, what advice would you have for, for those people? You know, I think be humble, you know, learn, um, observe. Um, there's always a time where, you know, you, you make decisions and you, you, you assert yourself. But, you know, observe, observe behaviors of others, observe what works. And I would say always try to seek that individual who is doing things in a way that aligns with you, right? You can, leaders have different styles and different mannerisms and different values, but they're they're all successful. I think trying to find that typical leader who's going to maybe help mentor you, but they have to align with your values, Right. They have to align with who you are um, for you to be successful and learn. And I think that's probably one of the more important pieces is to, is to always, you know, try to identify an organization that has solid leadership, but leadership that you that you can relate to. Right. If, if you don't relate to the type of leadership or you don't relate to the individuals, it's going to be a challenge for you because you're going to be internally conflicted. Uh, so I would say always try to find uh, an individual within a company uh, who has success, does things in a way that you respect, and then does things in a way that you can align with and have that individual try to mentor you. Because again, learning, you're going to make mistakes. Everybody, first of all, admit making mistakes. You know, I make mistakes every day. Uh, But how do you deal with them and how do you learn from them, I think is what really, really makes a good leader. And I think that's really where people respect you too, is that when you can admit, you you mentioned it earlier, admit you make mistakes because everybody does it. Now, good leaders don't make mistakes that are suicidal to a business, <laughs> but you know, you, you don't make the right decision every time, but learn from potentially the, the decision you made so that going forward, you have a different perspective, maybe to make a slightly different decision or take a slightly different approach to a situation. Yeah, I, I love that. And there's a there's a quote that I read. It was it was one of the big tennis stars, you know, Roger Federer or, or Novak Djokovic said, you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn, which I thought was a great way of um, of kind of summarizing that. And you, you mentioned mentorship a couple of times, which I think is a really interesting topic. And your mentor, who you mentioned before, did you align to his style and values? Is that why? that you know th- that's why you were able to learn so much from that particular individual uh i did you know we, we both had a sense of you know treat people with dignity you know persevere um you know operate with integrity because the business that we are in is a heavily regulated business so there has to be a level of integrity and you know the hardest one is trust you know trust is really hard because you have to in theory expose yourself to trust someone and vice versa, right? Where that, if that trust is broken, then something, it's hard to get it back. But I think, you know, just basically saying, listen, I'm going to treat people with dignity. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to try my best to your point, always try to win, but knowing that you're not going to, but as long as you persevere and you'll ultimately get to where you want to go to, you know, integrity and then trust. So it, it was definitely a huge part of it. And I think it worked both ways. I think we both helped each other. That's something also I would say is that, you know, mentoring is a two-way street because certainly you're going to get experience with someone who's been, who's experienced more than you have, but on a true relationship, they're going to learn from you too. 
because you bring a perspective that they may not see or something that they may not experience. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. And and just you know, I'm I'm curious to know, you know, if you could go back and give your 25 year old self some advice, what would you say? Um, trust. I would have. I would have. <laughs> great question. <laughs> I would have probably trusted myself a little more than I did. You know, sometimes you 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 didn't make decisions, or there's certain things you didn't say when maybe you knew, um, or you really felt you had a strong conviction about an opinion on something, and I, I didn't voice it. You know, one of the biggest mistakes, uh, you know, of my career was a, a situation where there was a, a, we, we had a quality issue. And, you know, I, I firmly believed I knew what the issue was, um, but there were some differing opinions and, you know, I, I kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that was, you know, I look back on that now and I say, you know, I, 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 I wish I would have been more firm and I wish I would have voiced my opinion. Now there's a balance to that, right? Because you can voice your opinion, but then leaders have the, the ability to say, I heard you, but we're going to take a different approach. So I would just say, you know, I wish at times maybe I was a little more assertive, um, but that's part of learning, right? You, you, it's part of learning, it's part of confidence. But I would say if I could do anything differently, I probably would have tried to have been a little more assertive earlier in my career than waiting a little bit to get there. Uh, I love I love that, and I absolutely you know admire your um, honesty and uh, authenticity because that's what I love to do on on these episodes. Actually, is just get exactly what you said there, Gene. You know, people may look at someone like you and kind of look like you almost have a flawless career, but actually, I always having spent a lot of time with leaders, recognize that huge amount of perseverance and hard work, but also mistakes go into that. So I you know really appreciate you kind of opening up and being being honest and and i've got another hard question for you just to just to wind you up so um how would how would your best friend describe you in three words um i would say the the audio matches the video um (laughs) you know i think there's a you know i try to be transparent i try to be genuine um you know i am who i am at work and i'm try to be the same person in life as well uh i think being transparent and being able to relate to any type of individual is important. You know, like I get it, uh, you know, as a president and CEO, certainly people are going to look at you in a certain way. I understand that. But I try to be relatable to uh, in an organization. Um, You know, there's certainly a a level of respect that comes with your learning and your leadership and your position of authority. But I try to be able to relate to every level of the organization and really try to, you know, go as far to, know as many people's names as I can, know a little bit about them. So that way you can relate to them as a person, not only as an employee, uh, but I would say the audio matches the video. That's probably the simplest. That's great. And then uh, having, you know, you, we have another kind of five to 10 minutes left of, of your time and I appreciate how busy you are. So um, I just wanted to shift gears and talk a little bit about the sector uh, at the minute. And at the time of recording, obviously, we are in the in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis. But curious to see kind of what big shifts or trends and changes that you're seeing going on right now. It doesn't necessarily have to be COVID related, but just your general kind of views on on some kind of trends. Um, outsourcing, you know, outsourcing is, continues to be a strong opportunity for not only us as a business segment, but it's an opportunity for partners and clients as well. Not only, uh, you know, we carry a level of staff and resources that 
say a smaller company wouldn't, and that's one reason they outsource to us. But we also carry the same level of resources that allows a lar allow larger companies to expand their ability to develop their pipeline. They, every company has resources that hit a limit. So you can do 10 projects. But when you outsource some, now all of a sudden those 10 projects you can do as a company become 15 because you're expanding and you're utilizing third-party groups to expand your internal pipeline. So we try to service that level of segment, right? We try to help the larger companies expand their pipeline. And then obviously we, you know, the, the, the two men in a molecule or two women in a molecule, whoever it may be, we help them take their baby, you know, to the market. So I think that's going to continue. Uh, there's certainly been consolidation in the market um, where, you know, DPT was recently purchased by Mylan. Uh, Thermo Fisher has done some acquisitions with Patheon. So there's definitely larger companies that are acquiring uh, some of these CDMO uh, businesses. And where we see Medfarm is, you know, we're, we're obviously a privately owned company, but we see ourselves with an ability to service a sector that um, sometimes in a larger company, you may not get the level of attention you want, where we are going to give attention to no matter who you are, just because of the size of who we are and the importance of any customer to us. So, you know, every customer is treated the same at Medfarm. Um, so I think the opportunity for a company that's sized like Medfarm is that we can provide a level of service that we think um, is superior to some others in the industry. Yeah, that's great. And just a, just a, just an off point from what you just said there, just to, you mentioned kind of different types of projects and different types of clients, you know, from a big pharma to a kind of, you know, two women in a molecule. Do you personally have a preference over, does one of those projects excite you more? You know, you, you've, you've seen so much and do you get very excited by a, a small company with a fantastic idea or equally, do you get just as excited by, you know, a big pharma company wanting a, a specific uh, service from you guys? You know, we, we enjoy both and it's, it's not a canned answer. And I'll tell you why I say that. Um, <laughs> we understand the importance that a company, a smaller company that puts in us to move their product forward, because this may be their only product. Or yeah. they may have a few, but you know the, the success of the smaller company is you know is life or death for them, potentially, right? If it doesn't work out, then who knows the viability of the company, or who knows how much money they have to continue forward. So from that standpoint, we know the importance of us being successful on behalf of that client. So we take that with you know a, a great amount of consideration, and then on the larger companies, you know certainly it's not life or death in some of the things we work at. But we understand the importance of it because regardless, it is life or death for somebody. Some person said, okay, I am going to go to MedFarm. And that decision was made. It was sent up to the boss and it went to whatever levels in the organization. So someone put their trust in us. So we have to deliver, you know, that that's kind of the approach we take. So we look at it from, you know, somebody said, I am with MedFarm. You're my choice. And for us to, to not fulfill that, um, Opportunity, you know, it is research and development and everyone understands sometimes the challenges that come with that, but we take it with the utmost seriousness when, because somebody said, I'm with you and if you do well, it's going to justify my choice in you. And I think that's why I say we, we love them both because we understand the importance <laughs> of somebody selecting us.
Uh, well, I think it's a great perspective to have, and I love what you said about you know just treating treating customers equally. I think that's something that I've always believed in as well. So it's uh, it's great to hear some of your experience <laughs> say something something similar. And and tell tell the listeners a little bit more about Med Farm and, and what's on the horizon for you guys as a business. You know, I understand you've <clears throat> recently expanded your facility in North Carolina, but you know what 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 does the future look like for you guys? The, you know, the, um, our business is, is doing, is doing well right now. Um, we, we've bolstered our, uh, strength in both in the UK and the United States. You, you did mention, um, you know, uh, I would say easily two thirds to 70% of our business comes from the United States. So, um, in order for us to continue to grow that base, obviously having services in the United States was important. Um, because, you know, having the time differences when you have a facility in, 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 in the UK, if you're in California, that's an eight hour difference. So it was, it was strategic for us to expand in the United States just for that reason. So we could provide better service. We are a pure service organization. We don't do any development for ourselves. We are 100% client driven. So if we don't provide service. There's alternatives. Customers always have alternatives, whether it's internal, (laughs) you know, larger companies can do this themselves or smaller companies, they can choose somebody else. So we want to make sure they choose MedFarm. Um, So a big part of that was, you know, establishing and growing ourselves in the United States. You know, as we look, as we look at what we do, you know, the next logical step for us is to continue to grow our manufacturing services. Uh, that's my background. Um, you know, I think we, we, you know, I'm biased, but I consider us the leader and the best at developing transdermal topical products. But what we do right now is we basically hand them off or we recommend someone to go manufacture them. So a focus for us right now is to really expand into that manufacturing area. Uh, we've just recently acquired uh, about a 10,000 square foot facility in North Carolina where we can provide manufacturing services, but it doesn't stop there. We're, we're, we're still pursuing, you know, larger scale opportunities, uh, but it has to be the right opportunity for MedFarm. We're not going to do something just to do it. We're going to do something that makes sense for us, makes sense for our partners. And then again, that we can provide value. We're all about providing value services. So and, I, and I would I'm say a, I yeah, I was, the next step for us would be to continue further down that, that, you know, CDM, the M part of CDMO. Yeah, I mean, I was just about to say, I mean, I, I know MedFarm has a very rich heritage in the development phase. And I think for your clients, I suspect it's exciting for, for those customers to see you guys developing your manufacturing expertise so they don't have to tech transfer to somewhere else and go through that hassle. They can potentially scale up with you guys, uh, which I imagine, you know, it gives them great peace of mind uh, kind of for the future. And just last couple of questions. And if if you could make one change to the sector, you know, across the board, what would it be? So, you know, whatever that might be, whether it's technological, whether it's the way companies promote themselves, is there anything that you would change to make it a a more efficient and better sector to be in? You know, I think it's a great sector because I think the entire CDMO sector provides a tremendous amount of value to the industry. CDMOs, you know, develop and manufacture world-leading products, vaccines, you know, drugs that treat all kinds of diseases. 
and they do it globally, right? It's not just the United States or the UK, it's done globally. So I think the, you know, the, the industry has done a very good job of raising the bar. I think, you know, years and years ago, I think CDMOs were look at it, looked at as a cheap option or maybe not a value proposition, but just maybe a cost proposition where now there's the value proposition. And that's what MedFarm pushes is that value. We, we do the hard stuff, but I think, you know, really if I would say just having a means to identify the companies that really provide true development services versus just manufacturing services. Uh, a lot of people will call themselves a CDMO, but th they do some basic type development work, but really they're a manufacturing organization. So, uh, you know, the clinical research group, CROs, I think have done a very good job of defining their market segment, but uh, there's a little bit of blend, I would say, in the CDMO world for people that use that term. You know, do, do you do development or do you do manufacturing? There's not a lot of people that do both very well. And I think that's the opportunity that we, we at MedFarm want to really get into is that we're going to do both very well. And I'm very confident that you will do that. And final question, Jim, do you have any final comments or requests or asks of the audience? You know, it's, it's, it's great to participate in events like these. Um, I enjoy the free flowing conversation. Um, I would just, you know, be, be when you, when you look at your CDMOs, it, it is a great part of the industry. Um, I think you have folks that are in the CDMO industry who come from large pharma, who come from the scientific sectors of the industry, and they really, really understand what they're doing. So I would say when, when, when possible, take advantage of the CDMO sector because it's a very, very important part of the business. It's an extension of the organization, whether you're, again, a small organization that's outsourcing their product or you're a large company. Um, that's expanding their internal pipeline or their internal capabilities. Um, you know, leverage the CDMO sector, but I would say, you know, do your homework and make sure you select the right one for you, uh, whether it's quality focused, manufacturing focused, cost, cost focused, whatever it may be. Just make sure you do the due diligence to pick the one that's right for you. Uh, I love that. And it's one of the reasons I was really keen to to get you on this show is I think you are one of those people that really celebrates the value of, of the CDMO space and, and, you know, talks about it in great kind of terms, which I think is, is what the sector should do more of. So thank you so much, Gene, for, for making the time in your busy schedule to, to come on to Molecule to Market. It was great. It was great to be here. I, I enjoyed the conversation. It was a, a pleasure to do it. And uh, certainly I'll always carve out time to do something like this. Thank you so much and take care and, and look after yourself. Great. Thank you too, Ron. again thanks so much for tuning in to molecule to market we hope you enjoyed today's episode you can find more shows on spotify apple podcast or wherever you like to listen get in touch with us on our website molecule to marketpod.com and follow us on linkedin or twitter and we will see you again next week Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences. 